I believe in Christ, he is my king. With all my heart to him I'll sing. I'll raise my voice in praise and joy, in grand amens my tongue employ. Scriptures reveal the divine desires of the Lord in our behalf. Each of us should have a burning desire to search the scriptures diligently and daily to seek the will of the Lord in our life. Brothers and sisters, on very thin pages, thick with meaning, are some almost hidden scriptures. Hence, we are urged to search, feast, and ponder. If you are lonely, please know you can find comfort. If you are discouraged, please know you can find hope. If you are poor in spirit, please know you can be strengthened. If you feel you are broken, please know you can be mended. Okay, welcome to Go and Do. This is First um, Nephi chapters 1 through 7. And I'm Daniel. And I'm Feely. And we're joined today by Carly, who's going to give her insights into the, what these scriptures are about. Um, so let's start off with basically a summary of what happens in these chapters. There's kind of a lot uh, that happens in seven chapters. Who wants to give a summary? Get us started and we'll, we'll help you fill it through. Well, uh, like you said, there's kind of a lot of things, right? So, I mean, it starts off and um, Lehi is having some experiences where he's feeling like they should probably be leaving Jerusalem, right? He's yeah. having visions and things. Yeah, we get introduced to some main characters mm-hmm. here that are going to come up pretty much the rest of the book, right, in different mm-hmm. times. Um, Lehi is the father of a family living in Jerusalem um, during the time of the prophet Jeremiah. And he, he and his wife, his name is Sariah, they have four sons, uh, Laman, Lemuel, Nephi, uh, Sam and Nephi. I always want to put Nephi before Sam. Or right, he kind of feels like he must be older, but he's not. <laughs> but he's not. He's the youngest. And he's the one that's kind of writing all of these things down. Um, not all of it's happening directly to him, but he's the one that's kind of writing down, hey, this is what happened to all of us. Anyway, sorry, continue. So, but then Lehi's having visions that they should be leaving Jerusalem because it's going to, going to get destroyed. And, and, um, and he starts taking his family out of there. This is a very base summary, right? Yeah, yeah. But he takes his family out of there, and they start leaving. They go into the wilderness, and then they realize that they need to go back and get the plates, and they need to go back and get wives, and they, they keep going back and forth, right? Yeah. And so um, he sends his sons up to get the plates, and, and they fail, and then they go back, and eventually they get the plates, and uh, they kill Laban, and it's kind of really intense... <laughs> Yeah. Batch of scriptures, right? Kind of a lot to have happen in seven chapters, which aren't even really that long. But um, one of the things that stood out to me is about Lehi's. It didn't come across to me like he was a long-term career prophet type guy. Mm -hmm. It seemed to me like he was just kind of a righteous guy who started to pray and say, hey, how do I take care of my family? Things are kind of going bad here. What should I do? And then he started to have dreams and visions about, okay, you need to take your family into the wilderness. And he just did it, um, which was really a revelation that anyone could get, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he 
tried to prophesy, I think, a little bit to the people, like preach to the people in, in Jerusalem. Didn't go over so well. And I think part of that's also because he was a pretty well-to-do guy. I imagine he was well-known in his community. And to have him just randomly start preaching to people, people were probably like, what are you doing? You yeah, know, like, exactly. leave us alone. Who are you to tell us what to do? You're just like one of us. And so I think they they were in some mortal danger of some sort. You know, maybe people wanted to to end their lives. And so they were told to go away. Well, the other interesting part of that, too, is that so they leave, right? But they're not told exactly how to do it, right? <laughs> they, it's not like the revelation comes and it's like, all right, Lehi, get your family, gather four oxen and three chickens, and you guys are going out to this location in the wilderness. It's just kind of like, you need to get out of here and I'll give you the next steps as they come kind of thing, right? Yeah, and they didn't, I mean, he didn't even have any scriptures. Mm-hmm. It, he just kind of did it. He just went and left and it says they traveled for three days, which always kind of boggles my mind because I'm like, that's a long ways. I mean, I've never traveled with all of my worldly possessions and like a huge family and stuff mm-hmm. through the desert. So maybe it's really not that far in three days, but three days of journey just seems like that's a pretty monumental task. And then like you said, they keep have to go having to go back. Mm-hmm. And maybe it maybe they traveled faster because there was only the brothers that were going back. But still, let's say it took two days. That's it's still, still not like a small feat, right? <laughs> you can kind of see how you might kind of be like, oh my gosh, we have to go back again, you know? Uh-huh. Like, Dad, could you ask for more revelation? So <laughs> I get mad when I get into bed and realize the light's still on in the living room or something. <laughs> and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Imagine traveling two days through the desert. Uh-huh. You know? I like um, I like how, how um, Lehi, he has this vision, you know, he and... and uh, and it says in uh, in First Nephi five fourteen, and it says, and it came to pass that when my father had read these, read and seen many great and marvelous things, he did exclaim many things unto the Lord, such as great and marvelous are thy works. Um, and there's this theme about the goodness, the goodness and mercy of God, and I find that very interesting because the message that Lehi is receiving is. You're in a bad place where people are not keeping the commandments. Will you please go try to help them and remind them to keep the commandments? And then after that, then it's, they're going to try to kill you. And over time, their wickedness is going to be their destruction. So will you please leave? And in that, what Lehi feels is how great and good and merciful is God, where most people I think we read in Laman and Lemuel, they almost feel like God is always punishing them, you know? Um, And then at the end of that, just the first chapter when Nephi, he's kind of writing, this is what happened to my father. This is how he felt. This is what he told us to do. And then at the end, he ends with, um, and I, Nephi, will show unto you that the tender mercies of the Lord are are all those who he has chosen because of their faith to make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance. And I think, when I think about the Book of Mormon, I think that scripture sums it up pretty well. Mm -hmm. Those who are on the Lord's side, you're going to see a lot of stories where we people will be in bondage and servitude, or they'll be very prosperous and fall into, you know, false traditions. Or they won't even have the gospel a couple generations and then some missionaries will come and teach. And that overwhelming message that the Lord 
will deliver those and bless those and prosper those who keep his commandments. And in Nephi, his experiences are going to be, you're going to have to go get the plates, which are scriptures. you got to go get, or you have to go get wives. You're going to have to build a ship. You're going to have mm -hmm. to do these. And each one of those will have their own unique challenges. But him being faithful will show how he was able to be successful, even though he didn't know completely what he should do. I think the important part of that too, right, is that even though he didn't know what he should do, he prayed about it, right? And so like it talks about in the scriptures, it says that he goes back and he says, I don't understand what, why we're doing this, why we're leaving all of our stuff, why we're going here. But at the same time, I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to ask God what I need to be doing, or at least just for confirmation that what we're doing is the right thing, right? You look at Laman and Lemuel and both of them are so focused on the worldly aspects of it, where they say, you know... I don't have my gold, I don't have my riches, I don't have my inheritance. And they don't ask why, and they don't ask, is this the right thing? They don't ask if if God is leading them in the right direction, or if their father is leading them in the right direction. And we each can receive that own personal revelation, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? You know, the prophet asks us to do something, and we don't understand it, then you can say, okay, well, what? how will I react, right? Am I going to react by saying, this is too hard of a thing or am I going to say let me try to understand this right it's those two perspectives I think oftentimes we're a lot more like Laman and Lemuel than mm -hmm. we want to admit definitely I think that the, the church recently came out with Book of Mormon videos and if you haven't had a chance to watch those they're really cool um, they, they depict Laman and Lemuel in a really interesting way where sometimes you can tell they're really bought into the idea they're like okay yeah you know what you're right we need to go back and get the plates but then stuff starts to come up where it gets in their way or it gets difficult or, you know, they go and they're like, hey, if God's on our side, all we got to do is ask and we'll get the plates. So they go and they ask and they get thrown out. Laban throws them out. And they're like, well, this is obviously not working. You know, they automatically yeah. start going into this like natural man mode of like, I'm discouraged by this. And I think that we oftentimes kind of do that. Mm -hmm. And we may have a good faith effort at the beginning, but as soon as stumbling blocks come up, we tend to start being like, okay, Heavenly Father, what's going on here? And really, it's just another part of the test. Um, it's interesting that they, they had to go back and get their gold and silver and, and precious things. It talks about they were going to use that to try and barter for the plates. Mm -hmm. And it didn't work. Um, they ended up losing all their stuff because Laban was going to kill them. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm not really asked to give away my gold, silver, and precious things because no one's asking for that. But God is asking for sacrifices of me. And every time you want to gain a stronger testimony, something must be given up, right? Um, are you willing to give up your Sunday mornings? Are you willing to give up 10% of your income for tithing? Are you willing to give up... Um, Whatever it may be, two years of or 18 months of your life to serve a mission, you know, and that, that's the cost in order to obtain a, a greater light and knowledge. And I think that that's kind of what's illustrated by this, that even though it didn't work, they didn't get the plates, it was still a continuing test. Uh, it was something that had to happen for them to be able to and, prove and, that they meant it. You and know? It's not like it's not like God wants to take things from you as payment. Right. It's. <laughs> That's how our existence is now. Everything requires the use of our agency. 
if you want to learn to play the piano and be really good, you're going to have to put forth effort, yeah. which means when everyone else is playing basketball or watching Netflix or something, you have to be practicing and or be getting better or working on your your you know music reading abilities and, and things like that. Um, I really like how we think what's the iconic Nephi scripture I will go and do, you know, mm -hmm. when his father says, hey, I have a task for you to do. And he says, I will go and do the things because I know the Lord won't ask unless he provides a way, right? And then right after that, they go and the first attempt is, let's just go ask Laban. And then he <laughs> accuses us of being robbers, throws us, chases Laban. And that's the first time and they get discouraged. And I like verse 15 on, on chapter 3, verse 15, because it kind of explains what what Nephi means by I will go and do. He says, Behold, I said unto them, and this is, he's talking to his brothers when they want to give up. As the Lord liveth, and as we live, we will not go down unto our fathers in the wilderness until we have accomplished the thing which the Lord has commanded. Meaning, he had already made up his mind. We're going to do this. It's going to happen. Um, and I think that's, that's, I think, to me, when I think I will go and do, it's not just you will blindly just go without <laughs> a plan. It's you've made the decision that it's going to happen. Like come what may, I'm not going to give in. I'm not turning back. And I think that's what I think sometimes Heavenly Father requires of us. It's that moment, whether you want to repent, whether you want to change a habit, whether you want anything, it's... How bad do you want it? How much do you thirst after righteousness? How much do you, you know, will you seek in order to find? How much effort? It's a little bit of how much by the sweat of your brow will you earn your bread, you know? How much effort are you willing to put in? And I think once that happens, then then the revelation. Then, then you realize that the burden is light and the yoke is easy, you know? Because there's a lot of, there's several things where... I feel in the scriptures, you know, on one hand, Christ invites us to take up the, our cross and follow him. And, and the burden is light and the yoke is easy. And in other things, we're asked to do it with all your might, mind and strength. So is the gospel, is the gospel truly easy and simple? I think it is once we have that disposition that we will not go back, yeah. you know. And I think that's when it becomes, I think the gospel can be very hard and weighty if you haven't made that decision. If you're trying to keep one foot, you know, in Babylon and one foot in Zion, you know, then it, then it is very hard. Well, and all, while all of that's happening, you know, back in the wilderness, you have Sariah and, and Lehi kind of just waiting. Mm -hmm. And I've heard some people kind of expressed disappointment in Sariah for kind of turning on Lehi a little bit, calling him a visionary man and being like, our sons are all dead and now we're perishing in the wilderness and what have you done? We had everything. We left the land of our inheritance. But I'm like, once again, how long did this take? How long were these guys gone? It was a three-day journey one way, right? Yeah. Let's, let's give them the benefit. Say it was two days each way. That's four days. We don't know how long they were trying to do this stuff, how many times between attempts. It's probably not like he chased me out, he wanted to kill me. 
okay, let's immediately go back. You know, like, yeah. right, give us some time. <laughs> yeah. So, and she has no idea what's going on. Yeah. So she's, well, probably she's a like, parent, right? She's yeah. probably totally worried about her children. But, but I think and she didn't a... have those visions. Mm-hmm. She didn't have necessarily that kind of level of confirmation that Lehi had at that time. And so she's kind of just following him like, okay, I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm trusting that this is all right. And then when things start to really go bad, she's kind of like, okay, what are we doing here? man you know like mm-hmm. well, well, you destroyed our lives kind of like you mentioned uh daniel that uh we oftentimes were more like layman and lemuel than we want to admit i think we are also a lot like soraya and it's not that they're bad it's they just have a moment when they say you know i did what we were supposed to do and it, <laughs> it didn't turn out yeah why am i wrong like because did i question myself did i really feel an answer to my prayer did i was i right in 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 this course of action i took we do do that we i feel like we you know we're all striving to be nephi's but then sometimes we fall short and i I don't mean to say fall short in a harsh way right but sometimes (laughs) we fall short and we do slip into that natural man um tendency instead and we end up being you know having experiences similar to soraya or having experiences similar to layman and lemuel where Either our faith is brought into question or just the timing is brought into question because, I mean, let's be honest, this world is rough, right? We're experiencing some hard things. And so, and everyone is, and it's just, it's difficult to say, okay, well, why is this not working right now? Or, you know, why can't I be where I need to be Um, or where I see myself? But I think the important thing to remember is, is that mindset that Nephi has, right? He knows that God knows where he's supposed to be. And he knows that God will lead him there as long as he's following him. But it's just when we look away from that final picture of God knows where I need to be. And we say, okay, well, I know where I need to be or I know where I would be comfortable. Or when we start doing that, that's when we start to run into these tendencies, right? And I don't know that Nephi was never doubting. Mm -hmm. He just never let it escalate to that point. You know, he may have had moments where he's like, Dude, I thought all we had to do was ask and we'd get the plates. Well, even that didn't work. What are okay? Well, that's okay. We're still on it, you know. Yeah, I mean the fact that you know I don't want to jump to the next lesson, but his his father has the vision of the tree of life, and then he goes and inquires of the Lord mm-hmm. and says, "Hey, I want to know what my father saw," and then the spirit asks him, "Do you believe that he? Yeah, I believe, but I want to know for myself," mm-hmm. and then. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of in Third Nephi, I mean, First Nephi, chapter three, verse five, where when the Lehi goes to Nephi and he says, "Behold, thy brothers murmur, saying it's a hard thing which I have required of them, but behold, I have not required it of them, but it is a commandment of the Lord." And I think that to me, I, I was very impactful because how many times do we look at general conference? you know, our, our our Sunday school, the scriptures, and we say, oh, President Nelson is asking us to take a fast on social media. Or President Nelson is asking us to read the Book of Mormon. Or President, and it's, it's not a commandment I have required of them, but it is a commandment of the Lord. And I think that's the biggest difference from the beginning from Laman and Lemuel, 
One of them thought, my dad's asking us to do these crazy things. And Nephi is thinking, the Lord is asking us to do these crazy things. Mm -hmm. And there's a big difference, I think, in just understanding that the commandments come from God, not from people or administrations mm -hmm. or things like that. We're used to looking at our life that way. And I think that that segues perfectly into the killing of Laban. Because after they got rejected, after they took their precious stuff and they were chased out again, and then Laman and Lemuel really want to quit at that point. And Nephi basically says, look, like you read, here's what we're doing. We're going to stay this. We're not going back without this. This is how, obviously how important the scriptures should be, that we're willing to do whatever to get them. So he kind of says, I'm going to go and see what I can do. He goes, he's walking around, he stumbles across Laban drunk in the street. And he has this moment where the spirit tells him, you need to kill him. And he questions it for a second. Like, wait, but that's wrong. Killing is wrong. Yes, but it's better that an, uh, one man should die than an entire nation should dwindle around the belief. And that cannot have been an easy moment for him. I mean... Just judging by how most people are, I doubt he's ever killed anyone before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think he was even old enough necessarily to be like a seasoned soldier or anything like that. And I definitely don't think he was the kind of guy that went around killing people all the time. This is a big thing for him. But my, the question always comes to my head because it's not like an angel appeared and told him. It was just the spirit telling him. And so the question that always comes to me is how did Nephi know it wasn't just his own justifications for killing Laban? How did he know this was the spirit telling him to do it and not him just like, now's my chance, you know, like, how do we, how do we distinguish that in our lives? Uh, a prompting from the spirit, from something that we're just telling ourselves to either make ourselves feel better or justify an action. What do you guys think? I think it comes with training. I mean, I think the Lord will ask you to do very small things before he asks you to do big things. And the small one could be, hey, get up and go to church. Or, hey, clean your room. Or, hey, you should apologize. Or, hey. And eventually, you'll be able to tell when he says, hey, pack up and move your family. Because you need to. Right? And and we see that. I mean, you look at the life of President Monson. When you, when you read his stories, he was always giving little impressions. Hey, go visit so-and-so. Oh, it's somebody's birthday. Or go to the hospital and help. And it went from that to, hey, I need you to lead the church. You know? And I think we, we get very enamored with the idea that the Lord is waiting to give us some giant revelation. Mm -hmm. And I think before we get that giant revelation, the big answers, we have to show our disposition to do the little answers, mm -hmm. the little things. And then I think when that big thing happens, you will have the confidence to know this is from the Lord. Yeah, I think, too, um, it's not like the Lord didn't prepare them, right? And I think that's that's a big part of it, too, right? That we, we are being prepared through the things that he takes us through. Um, one thing that impressed me as I was going back and reading this um, was that, so they go up, right? And they, they ask, and they just ask. And he said, Laban says no, right? They go back. They said, okay, well, we're going to offer him our riches. And he takes them, right? 
what do you do when someone comes and like all of a sudden you have all of these riches, riches, right? You're Laban and you have all this money. Like you're going to celebrate, right? <laughs> and then you look at the next opportunity. They go there and Nephi stumbles across Laban drunk in the street after he just got drunk on their riches, <laughs> right? Yeah. These are things that just step by step, they just, you know, fell into place. The Lord knew that these things had to happen in order for all of the things to line up for Nephi to be there at the right time. And for me, that was something that was kind of new to me that I hadn't noticed before, um, just to see how the Lord's hand was in the plan all along for them. Hmm. And that he had said, that you know, and maybe this is just the gospel according to me, right? But this was just something that came into my mind as I was reading it, that he really did have them go back each of these times. One, so that Laban would be in the right place at the right time in the right situation and state, right? But then also that when Nephi got to that point, that he was prepared as well, that he could say, okay, we tried to ask him. We tried to give him our money. We tried to do all these things and none of them worked. And this is what the Lord's asking me now. The Lord wanted me to know that all those other things didn't work because if I had gotten to this point and he had said, you need to kill Laban, I would have said, well, why didn't we offer him our riches? Why didn't we just ask the guy before killing him? If right. it had been from step one, yeah. go in and kill him. It would have been like, exactly. what? You want me to do what? what yeah. are, are not, can I at least well, ask first? Yeah. 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 Well, it's a process. It's interesting you mention that because later on we'll hear of um, Nephi with um, with his brothers. And they're talking about, I think it's right before they're building the ship. He's saying, do you think we're better because we're children of Abraham? Or do you think that the children of Israel wouldn't have gone and, and, and slaughtered all the Canaanites if they weren't wicked. Do you think the Lord would have that? And and in the scripture, in this section, he says, the Lord slayeth the wicked to bring to pass his righteous things. And you kind of look at it from Laban's perspective. Maybe he had a impression, hey, somebody else is going to need the plates. Don't listen to that. Or, you know, he, he, he had his agency. And mm-hmm. I look at Zoram, Zoram was one that I I really am fascinated by mm-hmm. him because you you almost I almost want to see one of those you remember that fourth wise man movie a long time ago they used to show <laughs> There used to be a seminary. spinoff of Zoram. <laughs> yeah. But you think he was pro- probably a righteous person mm-hmm. stuck in a terrible environment. Well, he was trustworthy because yeah. he was Laban's servant and he was entrusted with the treasury which, by the way, had just had a massive influx of gold, silver, and precious things. Go figure. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, and when Nephi gets dressed as Laban and he's walking and invites Sorum to come with him, um, he, he mentions many times Sorum wanted to talk about the elders of the church and, and the things, mm-hmm. and he was interested. In, and when Nephi finally said, hey, when he gets found out, and he says, you have an opportunity to come and be free with us. And right away, Sorum says, I will be I will be with you guys. I will follow you. And as soon as he said that promise, they were not worried about him anymore. Mm-hmm. Not worried about him turning and all these things. And you wonder if there was similar experiences that we don't know of Sorum being prepared exactly. to be led and have, and, you know. What was going on him. in his life before this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was he, what was going through his head before all this happened? I mean, partly you could look at it and say his master was just killed and the scriptures were just taken from the treasury. 
he might be implicated in that. <laughs> he probably wants to get out of Dodge, right? But the other part is that he just willingly was like, yeah, I'm going to go live with you for the remainder of my days. It's like, who does wow, that yeah. unless they're somehow already kind of thinking that and kind of already ready to, to accept that? And you know that the Spirit probably testified to him, these guys are legit, you know? They're doing well, what they're supposed to do. Well, at the end, when, when Lehi is dying and he's blessing his children, he blesses Sorum with all the blessings of Nephi to, to receive all of the blessings. And he calls them, you have been a true friend of my son, Nephi. And it's it's really interesting because if we are all kind of actors in the stage of life, how we come to the Lord, there's many ways. We could be the Labans that are unwilling to listen unwilling to be doing what you should because in in theory well not in theory but in in actuality laban there was like a religious uh what is it monarchy or or where where the religious leaders were also the leaders of the government they should have been the greatest example you know they they shouldn't have need to be called to repentance it's the kind of the same when christ came to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the leaders. They were the teachers. And they were being the biggest hypocrites, you know. And are we in our lives, are we like that? Are we a little bit more like Laman and Lemuel? Are we like Nephi, you know. Where, where Nephi, he wasn't a blind um, follower or, or servant. He was very smart. He was actually one that wanted to know for himself. And because he was honest and wanting to know for himself, he found the truth. And I, I see a lot of people who are unwilling to, they feel like the religion or the church or the commandments are, they're asking you to be a sheep, to be just blindly, just do, it's just a pyramid scheme or it's something that they just want to control you. And for me, the greatest blessing in the gospel is I don't have to take anyone's word for it. I can find out for myself. I can read the Book of Mormon. I can try it, have my own experiments to know if it's true. And I think that's one of the biggest lies Satan wants you to feel is by following Jesus Christ, you are giving away your freedom and your agency. And it's the opposite. By following him, you you save yourself from all of these terrible things that actually restrict and get rid of your agency. The, the thing that impressed me about Zoram is the same thing that impressed me about the apostles in the New Testament. When Christ came to them in their fishing and said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. They dropped their nets straight away and followed him. It's kind of like that attitude of when you know something is true, you shouldn't hesitate. You shouldn't allow yourself to hesitate and to question not not you know is this true but question like okay should i do this or should i not if you know it's true and if you feel it it's probably good you know and they didn't they didn't even bother to to ask okay well how long is this going to take mm-hmm. and what's my commitment level and what am i going to be expected to do is this a sunday calling yeah or, <laughs> or is it do a- I need to be there wednesday nights too <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, they just said, okay, we'll do it. And mm-hmm. whatever that entails, we'll do it. Well, and they accepted Zoram so, so willingly as well. Like just, just them. I mean, it's not like he's 
personally harm each of them, right? But at the same time, this guy is from Laban's group, right? And they just accept him into their family and take care of him like their family, right? As soon as he accepted, what we'll say, the gospel or accepted Lehi's visions or he was all in and they accepted him and they didn't say, oh, well, you know, they were, you know, Zoram, back in the... uh, the old days, you know, you were kind of like this or you were kind of like that, you know, they, they just accepted him and loved him as one of their own and didn't ever look back. It makes me wonder what that walk back was like with mm-hmm. him. You yeah. Know? He's got probably no provisions with him. You know? uh-huh. <laughs> do, do you think, do you think Zoram could say the same thing? Behold, I, Zoram, will show unto you that the tender mercies of the Lord are all, the, all of those whom he has chosen because of their faith to make them mighty even unto the power of deliverance, you know? I think so, yeah. I mean, can, and the question is, can we say that? Can we, are those words true to us? Where are the points that we need to be delivered in our life? Mm-hmm. And have we come to know that the Lord can save us? And it's not just save us from hell or all these things, but save us from you're in school going through a hard time. You're in a relationship. You know, maybe you're stressed, your anxiety, maybe health issues, all of these things. If if it works for them, why can't it work for us? Yeah. It does, right? I mean, we're offered the same promises that Nephi was offered. We can pray and ask as well. We can, you know, if we are told to do something by the Lord that we can go and do, and we can see that his hand is in that as well. We're offered all of these same promises, right? And that's why we have them and why we have the scriptures. I think that sometimes we take the scriptures and we say, that was then, but this is now, you know, and we, and we don't say, um, that was then. And because of that, I can change now, or I can add that to how now is. Or we try to make ourselves the exception. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that may have worked for him, but my situation is different. Exactly, yeah. It's more complicated. I'm no Nephi, It's like, no, but you can be. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. You can be, just like you can be Laman and Lemuel sometimes, Mm -hmm. you can also be Nephi sometimes. And you have to allow yourself Nephi moments. Yeah. When you're like, gosh darn it, I will not flinch. You know, I will not be weak. I'm weak on these occasions. And I'm tired of it. You know, I'm going to be valiant. I'm going to be exceptional. See, for me, I often think of, when I think about my problems, the temptation I have is to think that my problems aren't that big of problems to bother Heavenly Father with, <laughs> you know? Um, and and um, and that's not true, you know? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you think about, you know, our Heavenly Father in all of His glory... You know, it tells us he's he's concerned that, that a sparrow doesn't even fall from a tree without yeah. him knowing. And if if that's the case, why would we be told that? Because we're asked to bring your problems, bring your things, bring them, and have the disposition of Nephi to say, help me. You know, and It's very similar to Joseph Smith, you know, when... He's going to go pray to know what church he should join. He already made the decision. Whatever you say, I'll join that one. I'm at a point mm-hmm. where I'm at, I've done everything. I've asked pastors. I've thought about it. I've been tilling on the earth and, and working and thinking about this. And I just, I finally, you have, you know, the, the scriptures say 
if you ask with real intent and and I feel like and so he goes and the answer he gets is not what he expected at all you know and when is it ever right <laughs> like when do we ever get an answer that we're totally expecting it's usually like okay you're over in left field here but we need to bring you back you know or you're thinking about all of this stuff but you haven't thought about you know this option that's outside of the box um and i think that's why he's there for us right to show us that that option that we wouldn't have thought of that we didn't think of because maybe we weren't thinking of the eternal perspective or maybe we were so focused on you know i have to have this set in my life by this date we give ourselves these timelines right i need to be married by the time i turn this age i need to have kids by the time i'm this age in my career i'm going to be here at this point and and we set timelines for ourselves but god's timeline is so much more fluid than that and he knows okay if if you got married at this point in your life you wouldn't be who you are today if you were able to have kids immediately then you wouldn't be here or if you know you were promoted to you know the top of the chain at this date then 10 years later where would you be he knows where we need to be and when we need to be there and when we self-impose these restrictions or these timelines on us, it really, it, it makes it hard for Heavenly Father to say, okay, well, I'm going to correct you. You're not yeah. quite there yet. Like it's, it's good to have goals, but yeah. at the same time recognize that along the way you need to be flexible mm-hmm. to his will. It's, it's, yeah. it's ironic how we, we say we believe in a God who's all powerful, mm-hmm. can do anything but I'm going to ask him for a very specific thing. And if I don't get that, then he must not be true or he must not care about me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very ironic that we actually are the ones limiting his power mm-hmm. in our lives by, you know, our preconceptions or our, yeah. our predetermined outcomes that we want. You know, I, I look at my life and I, and maybe that's, it's interesting. I can see how things I've wanted were not what I felt was the right thing. Now we're not the right thing, mm-hmm. you know? And you're looking back and you're going, because I had these other things happen in my life, I know those other things that the Lord actually led me to were the right things, right? If if you say, okay, well, you know, I thought I should be, um, you know, we'll do the married example, right? I should be married by the time I'm 21 or whatever, right? Everyone's got a different timeline in their mind. Right, they think that they should be married by a certain point, and then they get married at fifty-two. You know, I I was talking to a woman um, a couple of weeks back, this lady that I took I did wedding pictures for, right, and she got married for the first time. She's fifty-two years old, married a man who it's their, his second marriage, her first marriage, and you ask her, you know, was it hard? And she says, looking back, I wouldn't have changed a thing. Because she says, now I have this great family, but because of all the situations that happened and all the trials I went through to get to this point, it's made her who she is today. And she's gained so many friends and so many other families around her that she just loves and so many good relationships and things that she might not have gained the same way. You know, she's a, she's a teacher and she's touched so many lives through her teaching mm. and you know, she said if, if she had gotten married back when she was 21, like she had wanted to do, you know, it would have been totally different. It would have been totally different. 30 years ago, if she'd gotten married then, it would have been, she would have gone to school. And she's told me, she says, I would have 
stop teaching. And imagine all those lives that she wouldn't have impacted. You know, sometimes we don't see the pendulum effect yeah. of like of what our choices will impact. But God does see that. And he cares about for her in this example, each of her students he cares about and each of the lives that she's touched, all of the families that she's been a fantastic neighbor to and, you know, her her siblings who she's been a fantastic aunt to all of their children. And if she it's, it's not to say that if she'd gotten married at 21 when her game plan was set for right that her life would have been bad, but just look what it became when she turned it over to the Lord. Well, it reminds me of a, a saying that, you know, um, the Savior can turn any situation mm -hmm. into an advantage, even things that were bad that happened to you. There's nothing he cannot fix where the outcome is that day when you realize, I'm so happy I made it to this point. And everything that has led me here. You know, you look at, it reminded me when you were talking about the parable of the laborers. They all come at a different time during the day. And it's interesting because we feel like we have to control that timing. And the Lord is saying, you'll come at the right time. And, um, you know, you look at, I don't know, I'm just so stuck on this, on Lehi's exclamation. For him to be able to say, great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God Almighty. Thy throne is high in the heavens, and thy power and goodness and mercy are over all the inhabitants of the earth. And because thou art merciful, thou wilt not suffer those who come unto thee, that they shall perish. You know, he's saying that in, at the beginning of all of this. He thinks it, but he doesn't know how much is still yet to come. He's... He doesn't realize there's still a lot more that's going to come that will testify to that. He's looking at it as, look at all these great things that have already happened that prove that the Lord is taking care of us and all that. Little does he know what is coming later on. And he's already having this feeling of gratitude. And I think we, we have to look at that. We can't wait till it's later in our lives to be like, now that I can look back, I can be grateful. Mm -hmm. Be grateful for even the little things now. Well, even in the scriptures, you hear very often, you know, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. And to them, it was an exclamation of, you did such great things to our parents, to our fathers, to our ancestors. Can you help us now? Yeah. And, and, then they, and then he does. And it's the same thing, like our parents, our families our ancestors, all of that is given to us in the scriptures so we can apply it now, today, yep. in whatever it is that we need. I think um, the last part of this is when they go back to get Ishmael and his family. And it was it, it's kind of like they get back with the plates. There's like a, we don't know how long goes by. And then I think Lehi is kind of looking around and he's kind of like, this is a long-term deal. Mm -hmm. This is not something, we're not going back. Yeah, this is like a forever kind of deal. <laughs> and so he probably prays and says, hey, what what's next? You know, we've established our little uh, place here in the wilderness, but what, what are we supposed to do next? And the Lord's kind of like, just like he said about Adam, it's not meat that man should be alone. You know, mm -hmm. you need to go get more people. Well, and, and the thing that stands out to me um, is that, you know, so they have to go back all these different times, right? We keep talking about that, but 
um, each time that they go back, that sacrifice of, you know, physically walking back, right? If it was like, okay, well, go up one time, get the plates, get your gold, get your money, get your wives, bring their families, it'll be great. How much more does it mean to them to have to go back? To have to, they've already, they feel like they've accomplished everything that they were supposed to do. They've got the plates. And now they have to go back and get their wives. It's not, it's not like, all right, like we just scooped them up on the way. It's like <laughs> they literally had to like go back three days, you know, walking back three days. And how much more does that mean to them? So it kind of reminds me of line upon line. Mm-hmm. And maybe Lehi only knew you just need to get out. And, and at first, immediately, was the danger on your life. They're trying to find you and kill you. You need to have the commandments with you. Okay. And then now, and and we have to be okay because that's how the Lord works. Mm-hmm. Current changes in the church, you know, the lowering on the mission age. How many times did the brethren come out and say, he just told us that we needed to do it and told us to figure out the how. You know, um, you know how many times you know we we were told, "Hey, I'm gonna call you, Carly, on a mission to go this place," and you're given general instructions, but the every day is for you to figure out the how, and mm-hmm. have your own experiences. And that to me is kind of indicative of a heavenly Father who wants you to grow, you to exercise your engine. He doesn't want to tell you the whole thing. He wants to give you opportunity to. Figure some things out yourself. And sometimes to fail, right? Yeah. Like sometimes to fail and figure out it was the wrong choice or the wrong option and then to go back and find out what the right thing was, right? Um, it goes back to that stubbornness thing of, of unless I know all other options have been <laughs> have been passed and have not worked, then I can't choose the right option kind yeah. of thing, right? And I think that um, the, the just the last thing that was really interesting to me about getting Ishmael and his family was that all the brothers found a wife and their wives were kind of like them, it mm-hmm. seemed, um, which kind of enhances to me the importance of finding some a companion that will support you and will help push you to the next level. Because you look at Lemon and Lemuel, their, their wives kind of took on some of their characteristics or maybe they were already like that also. And Nephi and Sam, their wives were kind of the opposite, kind of supporting them. And even Ishmael and his wife, they were supportive at times. Sometimes they're kind of like, what What are we doing, mm-hmm. you know? But to, to surround yourself with people who and that you can rely on, that you can count on, so that if everything else turns against you, even family, right, that you can say, hey, we're still good, you know, and we're still going to continue striving forward, even if everyone else around us and our immediate surroundings is kind of questioning what we're doing and starting to falter. We got to stay strong. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, of course. It was awesome. The Book of Mormon is truly the keystone of our religion and that a man and woman will get nearer to God by abiding by its precepts than by any other book. And if you then go and do what he would have you do. Your power to trust him will grow. And in time, you will be overwhelmed with gratitude to find that he has come to trust you. There is no end to the good we can do. 
to the influence we can have with others. Let us not dwell on the critical or the negative. Let us pray for strength. Let us pray for capacity and desire to assist others. Let us radiate the light of the gospel at all times and in all places that the Spirit of the Redeemer may radiate from us. My dear brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ invites us to take the covenant path back home to our heavenly parents and be with those we love. He invites us to come, follow me.